This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, hey, everyone, this is Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to another episode of the Courage Cast. Well, friends, I have so much, so many topics that I can't wait to dive into. I haven't been able to sit down and record very much the last couple of weeks, so I apologize that these episodes have been sporadic, but I do have some great episodes planned here in the, in the next few days, and I'm excited to share them with you. This last weekend, I had the privilege of speaking at our men's breakfast for our church, relatively small church. There were about 30 men in the room, 25 guys in the room, and I was honored to be able to sit down and share a little bit about um, a part of my life story. And I, I realize it's been a long time since I really dove into that, um, not since really the first episode. But I thought it might be good to talk in more detail. I've, I've even learned quite a bit in the last year since starting the Courage Cast, and I thought it might be a good idea to just be vulnerable with you, share a little bit of my story and testimony, lessons that I've learned, <clears throat> so that you guys can get to know me better, and you can also maybe identify and, and get some takeaways from the lessons that I've personally learned. So I think the best place to start, and I'll go back and forth as far as my timeline, but I wanted to start with 2012, because 2012 was a pivotal year for me. In 2012, life seemed to accelerate. It was almost as if I had been prepared for that time uh, for years and years and years. Everything I had experienced from that point Uh, up to that point, had really prepared me for what I was about to venture into. Uh, I was 41 years old in 2012, and um, that was an amazing year. Number one, my wife won a Dove Award. She, her career began to escalate and increase. She had been a songwriter in Nashville for 15 years before she got her very first cut. She's written hundreds of songs before her very first cut. And her first cut was a song called Your Great Name that Natalie Grant recorded. And many, many other people have recorded since then. And even before then, there were a couple of recordings out there. But when that song hit, and then it hit the radio, and then it became a a number one single uh, on uh, K-Love, and then it, uh, of course, won Worship Song of the Year, um, in 2012, that really escalated for us a lot. And um, ironically, uh, later that year, Chrissy uh, was exhausted. She uh, had a resurgence of some of the symptoms that she had had 10 years prior of Lyme disease. And so in July of 2012 was when it was at its worst between July and September was when it was at its worst. And um, we didn't know what to do. Eventually, Chrissy made the decision she was going to get back on antibiotics, which she took 18 months of antibiotics, and she still wasn't healed until God touched her and healed her at a healing service. But before that, um, it didn't really help her, and I was angry. Uh, 
this was September, I was angry that my wife went ahead and made the decision to get the antibiotics. Uh, number one, because we, I thought we were heading in a direction of natural healthcare. We had just signed up to go to a chiropractor, uh, started going to a chiropractor's office in September of 2012. But she went and bought the antibiotics and um, we had a fight. That night, she happened to be invited to an essential oil class. And uh, this was a doTERRA essential oil class that a friend of hers invited her to. And she heard about a Lyme protocol there. So after she heard about that, she investigated it with some friends that were there, made some new friends there, and she decided to enroll with a kit, and she started her journey of essential oils. Um, and within six weeks of being on this recipe or protocol, she was 100%. Like before that, she couldn't even do, do laundry. She couldn't, she was in bed all day long. And it was depressing. I mean, it was really, really sad. It was a sad time. And um, so for her to, you know, to be so pale and to be so sick and so weak and go from that to six weeks later, being fully healthy, no problems whatsoever, totally recovered from the symptoms she was experiencing from a tick bite, she um, obviously began to share. So in October of 2012, Chrissy began to share. And uh, before we knew it, I mean, it wasn't even that she intentionally wanted to help other people enroll. It just happened naturally because she was having so much success. She was having these great results that people wanted to know. And then her heart of compassion was to give. And so she began to share and give and help other people with uh, essential oils. And before we knew it, by the end of the year, she had enrolled about 10 people. And we, uh, we started the journey. I had always said, Chrissy, because my background is in sales um, and also marketing and creativity. I have a creative background as a, as a songwriter and, a, and a playing piano and singing songs and writing songs, uh, as well as um, broadcast, a passion for broadcast journalism. All of those things sort of came together. And I always said, Chrissy, if you find something that you love, I'd love to help you with it to grow it more intentionally as a business uh, in the network marketing space. And I always wanted to try network marketing, but we never found a, had a product that would really work that well and that we were really passionate about. But this was that. And um, I don't think we would have ever ventured into anything else, uh, but I was grateful for that. We started a podcast that podcast took off. We ended up enrolling another 60 people. And now we have 5,000 people on our team and uh, it, or almost 5,000 people on our team. And it's uh, it's been an amazing journey of leading and coaching and helping others get well, but also helping others get financially free uh, so they can do something different with their lives and pursue their greater passions and uh, spend time with family, bring husbands home, etc. That's our passion. We want to help more and more people do that. So that was taking off. That started in 2012. And at the same time in 2012, in November, my neighbor and friend James Frazier and I decided to go visit a the set of a TV show that we love to watch called The Walking Dead. And so we started watching the show together, the beginning of season three in 2012. 
And before I knew it, James had found out about uh, the last day of filming. And so we drove down to Atlanta. We had an amazing day. We met like eight celebrities and it was, it was incredible. We came back. We were so on a high still. And we came back and um, after Thanksgiving break, we decided, you know what we ought to do? We ought to do a podcast. I'd always wanted to start a podcast. This was at the same time I started the Essential Oils podcast. Actually, I started a little bit after Walker Stalkers started. Uh, we we were we started our our podcast for The Walking Dead, and uh, in the beginning, nobody listened to us. Nobody listened to us at all. It was uh, it was terrible, and so we made up our own guests. We pretended people called in. <laughs> our first seven episodes were were kind of a joke. Uh, but we were having a blast and we were creating this momentum. But all the while, James was pursuing getting an interview with uh, some people or uh, some actors from the show. We had met so many great actors and cast and crew from the show that we thought it'd be kind of fun to have some people on the show. Before we knew it, we were able to get Greg Nicotero, the director uh, and special head of special effects for the show, to come join us. And after Greg joined us, then we had another 28 or so straight episodes of actors from the show on our podcast. And we started to get a real audience. We started getting real listeners and people really asking questions. We interacted with those people. We took advantage of the very small things. We were very faithful with the small things and grew it to to becoming even more faithful with bigger responsibilities. And and it was an amazing growth experience for me. Um, And one that I would, would, wouldn't want to change. Um, but it also kind of dominated my life. And as you can see, I, of course I had a, I already had a distribution and licensing, international licensing and distribution business. I had an eBay and Amazon business that I was already running before all of this started in 2012. So on top of that, then Chrissy's music career began to skyrocket. The essential oils business began to skyrocket. And now this Walker stalkers thing began to skyrocket. So I had like five or six things on my plate that that I was literally spinning plates uh, every day to try to manage it. And actually, at that time, in the beginning of 2013, I decided to take a job with Amazon, with an Amazon company, and I would fly up uh, every week uh, up to Grand Rapids area and uh, and work for them at this uh, audiobook company. It was a mess. I can't believe I did all these things while this was all accelerating and skyrocketing. I was getting Chrissy and I were having more and more fights. Her and I, our relationship just kept weakening and weakening and weakening. We were fighting, we were arguing. um, And a lot of what we were fighting about was the Walker stalkers because it just didn't make any sense. It doesn't fit into everything else we were doing. But I, uh, and eventually, the first, I tried to quit three times. I tried to quit the Walker Stalkers thing three times. The first time was around March of 2013. And that was where I, I basically told James, listen, I can't do this anymore. You know, we're fighting and I just need to quit. I can't keep going. And he was, des- you know, decimated. It was, it was a really, really... It was not good news and uh, for him because he was having a blast. This is like a dream come true. And I was having a blast and I hated it. I was really wrestling with it. Well, Chrissy let me off the hook after seeing how it upset everybody and, um, 
And uh, she said, Eric, go ahead and keep keep doing what you're doing, but we got to figure out a way to make this work. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll try to make this work. And so we did a, our first meetup in um, the end of March, beginning of April of 2013. We did a meetup where we met we for the season uh, three finale. Um, it was which happened to actually be the episode that we went and visited the set of that day. So it was kind of like everything came together. We had a meetup. We had about 100 people that attended in Atlanta, South Georgia, South Atlanta area where they filmed. Uh, and it was at uh, in a nearby town. We did a tour that day and we had the meetup and it was an amazing day. Like we, that was a huge day for us. And also happened to be Easter Sunday, ironically enough. Um, but so from there, I thought, oh, well, this is kind of cool. We're, we're making some progress. Well, then we decided to do a season four premiere party, which would have been in October of that year, 2013. We set that up. Uh, we sold 500 tickets like really quickly. And, um, and so that's uh, that was already set. So as that happened, and that began to accelerate, we started to see the possibilities. James thought, well, why? he went to a convention, he came back, he said he likes to go to Comic-Cons and those types of <clears throat> events. And while James was there, he, uh, he came back and said, you know, I think we can really do this. We, I think we can put on a little convention. And uh, we thought maybe 1,000, 1,500 people. So, uh, I said, of course, as always, I said, yes, of course, yes, I'll do it. And, uh, and that was my thing is, is I I would be eventually, I would be the yes man. I I was basically agreeing to everything. And even though initially I would say no, or I try to quit, I would, I would get pulled in to the excitement of it. And I would just say yes. And uh, I wouldn't run it by my wife. I wouldn't talk to her about it. I would just keep saying yes. And um, that's what kept getting me into more and more trouble. And I found that I was actually doing this with other people as well, with some other friendships, key friendships in my life. Uh, I was doing this. I was doing this with other other people uh, in my life. And I was doing this with people I was close with, people I was not so close with. I would just say yes all the time. And that's one of the biggest arguments my wife and I would, would have was that I would just agree and I wouldn't consider her, our family. I would just make decisions and not consider our family and, and, um, rightfully so. So as this continued, um, we started our, our, um, our Kickstarter campaign because we needed to raise $15,000. What I eventually learned is that this convention, we were in for about $250,000 that we could have been out. We could have had to refinance our mortgage. It was a very, very scary decision. I didn't realize all the consequences of it when I said yes. So I made this, I kept saying yes. and, And then when I realized we were not making enough money to even raise money for the Kickstarter campaign. That's when I freaked out. I wrote James a really long letter. I said, James, I've got to quit. I can't put this financial responsibility. I'm not sleeping well. Um, and, uh, and I said, I quit. And he said, well, give me a couple of days. I, th- I really feel like we're about to have a breakthrough, of course. And so I gave him a few days and lo and behold, we did have a breakthrough. We did accelerate our Kickstarter. We did raise the money for the Kickstarter and we started getting all the actors to join in. And as the bigger actors joined in and, and agreed to come, we had got more uh, people 
uh, buying tickets until eventually our event came. By the way, our premiere party was like two or three weeks before the this convention that we were putting on. So not only did we have the convention, but we also had the premiere party we needed to plan. And uh, that uh, that convention had uh, 10,500 people came through the doors over the course of three days in Atlanta, Georgia at the America's Mart uh, that year. And that was November, I think, 1st through the 3rd of 2013. It was an amazing event. Crazy. I mean, we had every major actor from the show, from The Walking Dead, plus other zombie. It was a zombie convention. Of all things, I'm putting it together, a zombie convention. It was crazy. Crazy. Um, by the way, some amazing people went to these conventions. Some amazing volunteers joined us in the journey, and they're still volunteers for Walker Stalker Con, which is what it's called, walkerstalkercon.com. <clears throat> we had uh we still have some amazing people and that's those are the types those are the people that I miss the most and I'll tell you why I miss them. Because as this accelerated and after this event I thought, "Oh, well we'll just do one event a year." Uh, Atlanta, no. James wanted to do more <laughs> more and it just accelerated into okay, we'll do Chicago, then Boston, then Atlanta again in 2014, then New York also at the end of 2014, New Jersey. And then in 2015, we had a full allotment of um, of conventions planned, San Francisco, Dallas, Chicago, again in Chicago, again in Atlanta. Um, eventually, I think it was uh, <clears throat> in uh, in about 17 cities. So it, eventually, Walker Soccer Con has been in about 17 different cities. I think it's now about 12 or 13. London has taken off. Um, and uh, these conventions average about 20 to 30,000 people at them. The Atlanta one is like 50,000. Um, so it's been an amazing, it was an amazing thing. And you can't even imagine managing 300 volunteers and and you know, the organization that it took and the risks that we took were, it was absolutely crazy. We, um, we broke even on that first convention. Thankfully we didn't hurt ourselves financially, but it did take about a year and a half before we finally started to see some profit. Um, but by the end of the year and a half of this run or two years of this run for me, my wife had just about had it. And, uh, what happened in October of 2000, 14 was uh, the pinnacle of uh, of it for me. It was really the beginning of the end for me. In 2014, in October, um, I made the mistake of bringing my, my family, including my five-year-old daughter, to the convention in Atlanta. And uh, she was exposed to some very scary sights. And for her, it was, she's, she's incredibly sensitive. Um, and she saw some some blood bloody zombie people and very scary people and her imagination kicked in and um it uh, was not good for her um when she came back and she was almost like a different person when she came back she was scared uh, to go to school she was scared to um to leave us she was afraid of everything she was a completely different person and we did, we had to pull her out of school because she was crying all day long, wanting her mom and clinging to her mom. And and what <clears throat> after some counseling and some uh, some time away from school, 
there were some things that happened at the school that scared her, but there were also things that she saw at the conventions that scared her. And, and that was the end. Uh, my wife, um, had put up with enough. And she told me in January of 2015, after lots of counseling, um, and kind of talking about this. And she finally said, I've, I've had enough. If you want to continue doing this, you can, but I'm leaving. And so she basically said, I'm, I'm out of here. If you're going to continue to do this and you're going to continue to let other people rule your day and rule your life, then go ahead, go have at it. I can't, I can't make your decisions for you. And so that was the beginning of the end of, of my Walker Stalker days. I, um, I eventually came to an agreement with James because uh, I was not leaving, losing my family over this, but the damage had been done. And um, so I stopped the podcast. I quit for good. And uh, that was at the end of season six, I believe. No, season five. Um, in in uh, March of 2015 was my last episode of the Walker Stalkers. And I was incredibly sad because it was so much fun. I mean, you can imagine how much fun it was to banter around and, and do those things, but it was not worth the sacrifice of my family. And, uh, I really didn't honor my family. And what I learned through the experience was four things, four things that, that I came away with. Number one was the fear of man ruled my life, that I was more concerned with the approval of man and the disapproval of man that I, uh, I allowed it to rule me versus the desire, uh, desiring the approval of God and fearing the disapproval of God being more important. Those things got skewed in my life. And, um, and I realized I had a real issue with fearing people. And it wasn't even fearing necessarily. It was just forms of fear of people. I would allow, I would seek the approval and I would be doing everything I could to avoid the disapproval of man. And that include lying, that include pretending I was better than I really was, that included sacrificing time with my family, um, that included just my priorities getting out of whack and uh, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Now, I didn't do anything drastically horrible. I didn't have an affair. I didn't have anything that uh, was detrimental, uh, permanently detrimental. You know, I didn't, didn't, there was no, no terrible things. It was just, it, but in the sense, in the sense of socially terrible things, I didn't do, but it, but I did. Yeah, I did do a lot of things that were just skewed. And, and I'm, and this is an example of let me be an example Let my story, be an example of fear of man and, um, looking for the approval, um, in other people from other people. Whereas I already know that I am approved. I already know that I'm loved. I already knew, I already know that I'm worth so much. And I already know that I have full security in my heavenly father. But I knew that in my head, I wasn't living that out in my life. Um, I looked up some things that I thought was really, really important for, for me to kind of remember with the fear of man issue. Um, and one thing I learned was that God actually designed us to need approval, that there's nothing wrong with wanting approval. 
It's just the source of the approval that's important. He built us to receive full approval from him, which we have in Jesus. When we accept Jesus and what he did for us and the gospel, then we know we are fully approved. As a matter of fact, we're his children. The Bible says that we're his royal children. We're his heirs. We have him as our inheritance. We have all the treasure that we could ever have. We don't have any more need for any more treasure. And another thing I learned is that we obey what we fear. We obey what we fear. Pay attention to what you fear. Pay attention to the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, and why you're making them. When I slowed down enough, because I was running, you can tell I was running. I mean, I had six or seven businesses and dominating my life was this Walker Stalkers business, which was fun and appealing. And there was so much that I was excited about with it. But I was obeying the fear of man and just all that that brought. The fruit of that was, was death in my life. And ironically, one of the things that James and I set out to do was, was to be zombies on the show. I wanted to be a zombie on the show and James did too. We wanted to be on the set. How cool would it be to be on the set? And so we did get that opportunity in October. Ironically, that same weekend, actually right after that weekend in October of 2014, we got to be on the set. We got to be zombies in full makeup, two hours of makeup, on one hour off full eye you know contacts eye contacts and i mean it was it was a crazy experience one that we'll never forget but is it worth it is the is it it's so funny when you see a picture of me as a zombie and we there's pictures out there uh of of james and i and you can just look at my face and it's the face of death that's what was really going on that's I was dying from the inside out. I was, that was the fruit of it. Just seeing that face is a perfect example of what I was pursuing. And this is just for me. I'm not judging anybody that watches The Walking Dead. You can watch that show. It's no problem. But for me, I can't, I can't participate in it anymore. I wish I could, but I can't. It just brings too much. It just makes me feel horrible inside about what I did to my family and, and what, I didn't, what I didn't do. And so the second lesson I learned was that I needed to guard my heart, my personal heart, and I needed to guard my home. And I didn't do either one. I didn't guard my heart with what I was allowing in. I I allowed the approval of man to rule my heart and rule my life. And it brought me to the culmination of realizing that. And I also didn't guard my home. I didn't guard my family, didn't protect my family, didn't listen to my family. I didn't honor. The third lesson is I didn't honor my wife or my kids by allowing those things into my home when I knew that it was sensitive to them. And as a matter of fact, I'm ashamed of this, but I laughed when my wife would get, you know, squirmish at seeing zombie photos and things. I had no idea how much it was deeply affecting her and how much it was affecting my daughter. Um, you know, some people are less sensitive to those types of things. And, and again, I, I'm not going to, you know, judge anybody else for, for watching the show or having stuff in the, in, in their house. I, you know, it didn't bother me, but it was bothering them and I didn't honor them. 
So the fourth lesson that I'm learning is that he will repair the ruins. It may just take time. That God ultimately is repairing the ruins. That we've come a long way, Chrissy and I, in two years since then. We've come a very, very long way. We're heading, we're come, we've just passed our two year anniversary of that day that Chrissy told me uh, in January that, um, that she was done. And um, trust me, I fought it. I have fought it. It has not always been this, oh, you know, one. I made the decision to drop everything and everything was fine. No, I, I kept having, I kept feeling sorry for myself. I kept being angry. There were many, many moments of anger at my wife, anger at God. Why, how could you bring me through this? I mean, this convention is, is incredible. I mean, I see all the fun that these guys are having. I see, um, the success they're having and, and it, it, uh, it, it was a process for me of letting go of dying to self and pursuing something that was greater than me. And it's just a process. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm fully there yet. I fully arrived. I'm definitely much further along than I have been. But um, God is teaching me to slow down and to hear him and listen for him and trust him above anything else and anyone else. Because he's the only one, ultimately, that I can put my faith in. Um, without God, life's pretty empty. Life's pretty dead. And even in the midst of, you know, my, my wife and even my kids, you know, just not, uh, you know, I, I don't have the approval of, of my wife and my kids. I, I have to, you know, there's the, the, pro, the part of my journey of healing is that there were consequences to my decisions and there's, I'm still in process with repairing the relationship, um, with my wife and, and even with my kids, uh, me and my, my daughter and I we're we're good. I, I really feel like we're good, but there have been consequences to just these actions that I've taken and, uh, constantly have to remember that, um, I don't need or seek the approval of other people to uh, feel good about myself and to understand, you know, to, to have that sense of security and feel loved and feel approved and feel valuable uh, to the earth and to the world. Um, I, I, I have to always just be filled up every day with the knowledge and the understanding that I'm his, that I'm his child. And that somehow, even in the midst of all this madness in the midst of my choices, he loves me. He loves me and he fully approves me and he, uh, I, I'm, I'm secure in that. And, um, he considers me of high worth and high priority. And that's, it's hard to accept. Is it hard to accept for you? What part of my story resonates with you? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, I'd love to hear about your responses, uh, in, uh, the courageous community. You can go on facebook.com slash the courageous community and um, share this episode if you'd like to, uh, or comment in our private group, uh, courageous at facebook.com slash courageous community. So um, join it, enter the conversation, and I look forward to hearing what uh, impacted you the most in your life. So always remember the, f- the fear of of God's disapproval and desiring God's approval is enough for you.
do not need to fear the disapproval of man over the disapproval of God or desire the approval of man over the approval of God. And guard your heart, guard your home, honor your your family, your spouse, and your kids, and trust that he is going to repair the ruins if you've made a mess. It may take time, but he is faithful. And I've seen those four things at work in my life. Those are truths I can hang on, and I hope that they impact you um, in some way today. So Lord, I pray for my courageous community. I thank you for my friends in the community. I thank you that uh, I get to be vulnerable and share my story. And I pray that uh, from my story would come other people's stories. People would, would come out of the woodwork and be vulnerable to share their story with others. And that's the greatest hope that I can have. So Father, I pray for protection, for safety, for um, the people in this community, the persons listening. I pray against the fear of, of man, and I pray that you implant into every listener this innate, intuitive, underneath their skin knowledge that you are great and mighty and that your approval is enough. Your approval is enough. The truth of knowing that we are approved, that we are loved, that we are valued, and that we are secure in your love because of what your son did. We don't have to perform. We don't have to do one more thing. You're enough. Guard our hearts, Lord. Guard our homes. Honor our spouses, Father. Help us to honor our spouses and our our wives, uh, I mean, our kids. And um, and we're trusting that you're going to repair all of the ruins, all the messes we've made. You're not afraid of messes. You were born in a mess. You were born in a mess and you come right into that mess and you give us hope. And I'm thankful for that, Jesus. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's it for me, friends. Once again, I'm Eric Nordhoff and you're listening to The Courage Cast. Courage Cast.